0: I've made, uh, I put all of my money except just the little bit I have to live off of uh, to go to people all over the world that are unfortunate. I give them a hand up, not a handout.
1: Thank you for tuning in to Trevor Talks Podcast, where we talk to real people about real topics and real stories. Today, we have the privilege of hearing from the Lamb of Wall Street herself. If you've never seen the movie Wolf of Wall Street, eh, you might not get the title. But if you have, you would know that Karen Bruton is actually the complete opposite of whatever was portrayed in that film. Even though it was entertaining for a lot of people, you know, Karen isn't doing her work for all the right reasons. Karen spent more than 25 years as a vice president and corporate controller of two corporations. and in any week. You might find her watching the stock markets, working in the field in Sierra Leone or listening to young women in an orphanage in Panama. She's kind of all over the place. So y'all, please help me welcome Miss Karen Bruton. Karen, welcome to the show. Thank you for being here.
0: Oh, and I appreciate you uh, having me.
1: Yeah, of course. It's like I see the pictures behind you and I'm like, you live a very interesting life. And I think what you are doing is phenomenal. And I'm excited to have you.
0: Well, uh, I quit my job and I was a vice president of a company here and I quit my job in January 2007. And I haven't looked back since.
1: You see, that's phenomenal. And you didn't learn like the stock market for, say, until you were 50, correct? Correct. Wow. You see, all of us youngsters are like, I could never learn that. And you go to Edward Jones or somewhere, you try to figure out how to do stuff. But there's really no excuse. You learned it at 50.
0: Well, I'll teach you if you want to learn.
1: You see, you're you're really good at math, I'm assuming, right? You're like a math I, whiz. I'm,
0: I majored in applied mathematics at the University of North Carolina. I'm a Tar Heel.
1: You are a Tar Heel, and you're good at math. You see, I'm going to leave that ball in your court for now, but we'll revisit that eventually. I promise you. I never was the uh, mathematician of the family. I could tell you that, but I did... I did uh, enough in school to get me by, and, you know, I've revisited it a few times, and, you know, it's it's just not uh, one of my strong suits, but that's fine, right?
0: <laughs> well, you don't have to know anything about math to uh, trade derivatives.
1: Yeah. Now... A lot of us listening, including myself, and I'm the one talking, are like, what goes on in the day of a day trader? So can you kind of explain what you do and how it fuels into the ministry work that you do as well?
0: I trade with the the, uh, Chicago stock market. I trade derivatives and futures. Wow. So trading those can be very risky. Or very safe, and I choose the safe way to trade mm-hmm. them. So i um, I've earned between twenty and twenty five percent my entire uh, trading career. Dadgum. Some of
1: us are sitting here thinking we're getting a good 1% off a savings account. And you're over here spitting out the 25%. <laughs> Come on. That's so awesome. And when did you realize that like these massive profit margins from stock trading would actually fund ministry initiatives overseas?
0: Well, uh, I learned it the, the slow way because a friend of mine and I, we started taking seminars all over the country to learn how to trade. And we gradually moved to the Chicago uh, place that uh, only uh, the SEC trades. um, They're in charge of stocks and bonds and other things. Mm -hmm. The Chicago house is in charge of derivatives and futures. So we shifted that way. And uh, we've made a lot of money. Um, I've made uh, I put all of my money except just the little bit I have to live off of uh, to go to people all over the world that are unfortunate. I give them a hand up, not Mm -hmm. a handout.
1: You say a hand up. Yeah. Instead of a handout, explain that. I've never I heard that.
0: that that first place that I went when I quit my job. I went, went to Nicaragua and I was um, on a huge trash dump there feeding children. Mm. And um, I was in the capital of Nicaragua, Managua, and uh, I I spent two weeks feeding children nutritious food that lived on that trash dump. Wow. And I got home and I felt like a million dollars. Um, And I went to sleep last night, the the night, um, feeling just so up and my heart was rising out of my body. And then I woke up the the next day and I said, those children are hungry again. I did not change a thing. So I started giving people a hand up, not a Mm handout, and teaching them how to take care of themselves. Um, I've worked with women in um, uh, places all over the world that. And I taught them how to run a small business. Um, I have an ag specialist that uh, teaches people. Uh, we went to Africa. And one of the countries we went in, we went to a small community. And we saw that uh, the people were growing the same crops in the same place annually and their corn that they planted went from a healthy ear of corn to only a couple of kernels on the corn cob Mm -hmm. and they planted them in the same place every year. So my ag specialist taught them to rotate their crops Taught them to put fertilizer in the ground. Uh, They set their fields on fire every year. So he told them to stop doing that. And gradually, gradually, they uh, grew enough crops to not only feed their families, but to sell to other people. And then they started sending their children to school because they never could afford to send their children Mm. to school. So it just went up and up and up. Uh, And uh, you can tell my heart is giving a hand up, not a handout.
1: And it's funny to even think about that all started from feeding people in a trash dump. That's, Uh, that would be the moment where it really shifted in your brain. That's, It's amazing to hear like churches and youth groups are like, we're going to Romania and we're going here and we're going to make an impact. But for you, what I see being the most beneficial takeaway of the work that you're doing is there's follow up with a lot of these trips. People don't realize like, yeah, you're going to go make some people smile and tell them about Jesus. And that's amazing. But where's the follow up? And that's where Karen Bruton and your organization comes into the picture and I think it's phenomenal that you were able to take that and learn from it and continue to do it throughout your life. But you were also able to sit down and be like, you know, somebody might be encouraged by this and I want to map it all out into a book. So that's where The Lamb of Wall Street came from. So tell me a little bit about The Lamb of Wall Street and what all of this started for you.
0: I I didn't come up with this idea about the book. Mm -hmm. I, I got a call. Uh, One day I was living on the island of Cyprus, doing ministry work on the Mm -hmm. island of Cyprus. And I lived there for about two and a half years. And I got a call one day. And the man on the phone said, you don't know me, but I've heard a lot of stories about you and what you're doing. I think a book needs to be written about you. And I said that was January 2019, and I said I'm coming home um, at the end of February to sell my home, and I can meet with you then. And that started the book <laughs>
1: what what a phone call to get hey your story is so good and it's going to encourage so many people i think you should write a book cuz usually for authors it's like hey will you publish my book do you think this is good do you think this is a good <laughs> idea it, it didn't look like that at all for you you were like hmm, okay like <laughs> whatever you well, think
0: i got the book right here ooh and, look at that cover uh, um i was the fourth in line on that cover. I took that picture. Uh, I was in Malawi. Wow. And those women had to make uh, four and five trips. They had to walk a mile to the river. It was a filthy river to get water because they had no water where they lived. And I went with them that day. And I got back to the village, and I called all the people in the village out. And I said, this is enough of drinking this dirty water and these women walking over a mile every day, four four and five times a day. I said, I'm going to hire a professional um, well driller, And he's going to come drill uh, a well in your village. He, I got it. I got him immediately. Mm -hmm. And he came in about two days and drilled a water well that went down like 300 feet. And the water came out as pure and clear as they've ever Tasted and um, I just donated that to the village.
1: Yeah. And, and
0: they all came out of their uh, huts, mud huts, and went down on their knees and praised God and thanked God for the well that they were going to
1: get. Wow. And in the U.S. and a lot of these countries, people don't realize that having running water or even a bottle of water laying around the house is something that people would die to give their families in parts of the world. What why were you overseas anyway? Where where did all of this opportunity open up for you?
0: I made a trip to Russia and i was still working um but the trip to russia um uh, uh, we had it was through my church mm-hmm. and we had to uh take a an old restaurant and turn it in to a church because the christians that lived around that area wanted to build a church so I did all that, and um, I had um, very bad experiences in, in Russia. I had uh, cops come up to me one day and took my passport away from me, and uh, I, I didn't know what was going to happen. They just uh, took it away from me and drove off
1: because of your faith or the work you were doing
0: faith and the work I was doing. So I got my passport back eventually, but that just taught me to work with people that they needed a hand up. Well, um, I, I didn't learn that until I went to Nicaragua. I went to Nicaragua after I quit my job, uh, and that's where I learned to give a hand up, not a handout. Wow. Handouts are needed by people uh, that experience tsunamis or other things, but most people don't need a handout because that makes them dependent on you. And I learned that from uh, the trip to Nicaragua.
1: That's awesome. So you go in, you provide the resource to where they don't eventually won't need you anymore.
0: Yes. (laughs) You're
1: teaching them a skill. You have your professional agricultural genius go in there and help them figure out the crops. You're, You're building sustainability and you're changing lives. It's... There's only one person that I could think of that has experiences like you have, and that's Ginger Stocky from Joyce Myers Ministries, amazing woman of God. But the work that you are doing, it's, it's not just introducing the gospel, you're providing sustainability to communities that may never see it again. And hopefully this is causing a ripple effect or a tsunami effect of just compassion throughout the countries that you're visiting and providing resources for. And I hope that hundreds of thousands, even millions of people get to hear your story and get impacted by what God's done through your life and the heart and the mission that he's given you. In fact, your work in the stock market has been so successful that the SEC actually looked into it to see if there was any malpractice, correct?
0: Uh, that's correct, and I wasn't um, – uh, I was audited by the Chicago Board, and, and I was uh, strictly uh, uh, selling derivatives and futures with the Chicago Board. The SEC came after me, and they didn't even know what a call and a put were, but um, they they did very – very much harm to me.
1: Oh, they're, they're treating you like a money. fugitive when you're out here trying to help people. And that's not right. So if anybody from the SEC is listening to this, we love you. Jesus loves you. But leave Karen alone. She didn't do nothing to you. <laughs> Come on now. But this is this has been such a refreshing conversation. And I'm so thankful that the Lord's given you the mission that He has. And everybody that's listening to this, go pick up The Lamb of Wall Street, go read more into it. And I hope that you're encouraged by reading this story and hearing this story now to um, to just go make a ripple effect, even if it's in your own community. There are people struggling all around the world, not just in the United States, not just in Africa, not just in Nicaragua. There are people struggling right in your backyard and there are people struggling in other countries. Be sure to just... Dive into your heart, dive into prayer and ask God where he wants you to make an impact. And Karen, like he's using you and it's phenomenal. I was
0: in my fifties. Yeah. And God called me and I said, yes. And that has changed my entire life. Mm -hmm. And I look back on that and I was so grateful that I said, I I had not said no. Mm. I I knew I was being called, uh, by God and I said,
1: yes. And he said yes to you too. And sometimes it's not the easiest yes for us to say, but if it's in God's will, it's going to happen. But wow, I, I feel encouraged walking away from this and I hope all the listeners are as well. And, um. Again, thank you so much for your time, Karen. I know that you have such a busy schedule that you keep up with and for you to take time out to be with us is quite refreshing to me and I know everyone else as well. Thank you,
0: Trevor. Thank you so much.
1: Of course. And this episode has been brought to you by the Whosoever's and new release today as usual. And we'll talk to you guys next week. Goodbye now. Bye.
0: And oftentimes, you know, you're chasing happiness, but you don't know that God is the best way to achieve the happiness you're looking for. And so I was trying to end my suffering by sinning, but I only ended up sinning my way into more suffering.
1: That was Grammy winner Lecrae unpacking his testimony on The Walk, a podcast for worshipers. Join us weekly to hear artists, songwriters, worship leaders, filmmakers, and other creatives tell stories in the form of a devotional. The Walk can be found on lifeaudio.com or your favorite podcast platform.